Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. Hey everyone, Casey Stubbs here with a new episode of the How to Trade It podcast. And today, very excited to be here with Mark Yegi, who is the founder of destinycreation.com, a wealth manager, a author, mentor, and fund manager. Mark, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, Casey, thank you. I'm excited too. Let's have some fun. We got a lot to talk about, I have a feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah, we really do. So I want to first start by um, talking about how you have mentioned that your dad was a taxi driver and that he said that he made the most money on the short trips and not the long trips. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, taxi drivers, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people think, well, wow, I, I got to pay a lot of money when I get in an Uber and I go a long way. Um, but really the, the, it's about the turnover because you make more money rather than waiting at the airport for that long trip that you do make a good amount of money. If you just can continue to turn over your, your taxi cab, you can make a bunch of money. So, um, it's, that's really the, the, the thing is, you know, I, I like to say there's two ways to make money in the world or in the stock market, right? The fast way and the slow way. And the fast way is the slow way. And most people are just ready to go right after that really fast track to make money and try to hit that home run. And you don't have to hit the home run. You just have to hit little singles along the way. And that's, that's kind of like my philosophy in life. Okay. So, so I, I think I need to quote you on this. The fast way is the slow way. Mark yeah. Yagi quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's true though, if you think about it, because most people, they, they, you know, they get up to the plate and they swing really hard and come out of their shoes and they strike out. And the people that are in the, uh, in the hall of fame are the guys that get on base. So they're not the ones that are swinging really hard and investors do the same thing. We all try to get that Amazon that quadruples or the Tesla that quintuples and, and really we're just fine if we just get some income and, and, and don't lose money, you know? Yeah, I think, um, the reason I was kind of joking about the fast ways, the slow ways, because it really doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> I think you're totally right. But in our mind, it's like, okay, wait, fast and slow? Wait, that doesn't make sense. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're right. But being able to understand that and to actually do it is a whole nother thing, right? So how yeah. do you come about knowing and really just hold, grabbing a hold of that philosophy? Well, I, I got to experience it a lot of times in my life. And I, I think like you, um, I think we each learned trading and, you know, when, when we were in high school or maybe even a little bit before my dad showed me the stock market when I was 12 and I bought my first car with my lawn money that I invested in the stock market and it doubled twice. Right. So that was the fast way, but that's what got me hooked. And then I realized that, you know, I have some stories of losing money too. Cause you don't, you don't stay in the market for a long time without losing your butt a few times. And those are the real times where I got the tuition. I got the lessons, right? There's winning and there's learning. It's not losing, it's learning. And so if you don't learn from a failure, then it, then it really is a failure. But if you can learn from it and what I learned in some of those, those, you know, swing for the fences opportunities or, or missed opportunities is that I should, should have taken my money off the table a lot sooner. And I know uh, on your podcast, 178 episodes and counting, 
you've got people on here that get in here and say, don't lose money, right? Warren Buffett's rule number one and rule number two. And, you know, cut your losses small, let your winners run big. Every single person that has a philosophy about investing says the same thing. So I'm saying it in a different way. It's, it's, it's that real estate mentality, right? Just, just collect a little bit of rent every month over time. Capital gains will, you know, make your, make your real estate go up, your assets go up. And so will that income. It's the same philosophy that I like to use in the market as well. Okay. So that is really good. You know, just singles, just a little bit at a time. And I think one of the things that I've been talking a lot about lately that I'm trying to get my own mind around uh, just to really hammer it home in my own life, but is that is being consistent, right? So if you can get a little bit and you're consistent with it, um, that's really the secret to success uh, because that if you can do, if you can do it for period of time, well, then you can slowly increase your size and you get that whole snowball effect. Yes. And the next thing you know, it's really blowing up. So the question I have, I set all that up to, to ask, um, <laughs> what is the specific way that you are using? What's your method for getting these uh, base hits? So I have a system that um, that I created based on millions of dollars made and lost in the market. I used to have a Wall Street firm that was a fintech company back in the late 90s and early 2000s. And it was basically about trading. And then we had some proprietary trading operations. So I learned a ton of stuff about it. But I also learned when I was a kid from some really great mentors, people like Jesse Livermore, who I consider the greatest trader of all time. William O'Neill, who I've more recently considered the second greatest trader of all time. And then a guy named Edward Thorpe. And, you know, you've probably been in the business long enough to know who Edward Thorpe is, but he wrote the book, Beat the Market. He's also the guy that wrote the book, Beat the Dealer. And he's an MIT mathematics professor. And you've seen the movie probably that took his team to Las Vegas and got kicked out of the, out of the casinos because they started beating the blackjack tables. He based it all on math and then he turned his expertise to the stock market. And he showed me when I was a kid, my dad gave me this really thick, boring book about how you can take a stock and basically start using it to create income. So I've basically, through my trials and tribulations and experimentations, created a program called the Cash Flow Machine. So we show people how to basically rent their stock. So we could take a stock like Amazon or Tesla is a big one for us right now or Apple. And we use that asset to be able to leverage other gamblers who like to take risks and we let them pay us income for the right to be able to take our stock. So if you want an analogy, I can give you one because not everybody understands what the heck I'm talking about. Yeah. Give me an analogy. I love analogies. Okay. Well, most people understand real estate because you could touch it and feel it and live in it and rent it. But let's imagine that, you know, we're sitting in your house and you, and you look across the street and the, the guy across the street, your neighbor named Jim, just put a sign out this morning and it says, for sale by owner, and it's a big lot. Let's just say it's a big one-acre lot instead of a house. And he says, for, a, for sale by owner, $100,000. And you're like, wow, Jim's got his house for sale across the street. That's cool, $100,000. Seems, seems like a good price. And then there's this guy named Bob driving down the street. And Bob has heard a rumor that morning that next that somewhere on the street, probably next to Jim's lot, Hilton's going to be putting up a gigantic you know, resort, a tower, and that's going to make that property not worth a hundred thousand, but worth a million dollars. Problem is Bob is broke. He doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars to buy it. So what he does is he finds Jim and he says, Hey, Jim, I know you got your property for sale for a hundred thousand. 
I don't have a hundred thousand right now, but if you'll agree to take this $10,000 and not sell your property to anybody else for the next six months, but only to me for a hundred thousand, I'll give you this $10,000 and you can keep it. And Jim says, wait a minute, I can keep the money, but I, I get to sell it to you for a hundred thousand dollars anytime in the next six months. Otherwise I get the property back. Bob's like, yep, that's right. So they shake hands and they sign a contract and that's the deal. Now, two things can happen. You know, what Bob is hoping is going to happen is that they open up the newspaper the next day and Hilton announces some huge resort's going to be built and he's rich and he took his $10,000 investment and turned it into a million dollars. High risk because he could lose all his 10000 but high reward. Or the other thing that happens, because you and I both know that information is imperfect. And if he were, if he were so smart, then Bob, you know, Jim would have probably known about it. What probably happens is that was just a rumor and the property doesn't go to a million dollars and he loses his $10,000. So he risked, risked that $10,000, but he lost it all. Jim, on the other hand, gets to keep his property, sells it if he wants anytime in the next six months for the same exact price that he would have sold it for. And he could put his property back on the market. So we do the same thing in the stock market. We'd rather be Jim not taking the big risk just collecting the $10,000 from those Bob, those gamblers that are driving down the street. So you're Jim then, and you're just collecting, you're collecting a premium on a regular basis. How often do you do that? If you're owning Tesla, how often are you collecting? Well, m- most of the people in my fund, we collect it weekly. Most of the people in my fund also use weekly options. You have the option of doing, you know, weeklies, monthlies, you know, quarterlies, whatever you want to do. You know, now the market, when I was a, when I was a kid, it was only quarterlies. Now there's weeklies, which is great. You get more, more bites at the apple. So we just basically take an asset like our stocks in Tesla, and we use them as collateral to be able to, you know, to find those bobs out there, those gamblers to be able to give us the money. And, you know, we're glad, we're glad to give it up if it goes over that strike price, because 80% of the time it doesn't go over the strike price and we get to keep that premium. In fact, we always get to keep the time premium. Okay, so um, there's a, this is a great method, and I have worked at this method before. Sure. Um, there is some challenges to it. Absolutely. Um, and so I want to I kind of talk about that. So if you, are, if you buy the stock and you own it, let's say Tesla, Tesla's a great example, and you get in and it's $1,200. You know, sometime last year it was trading like 1200 Yes, it was. And then it goes down to 600. Okay. And you try to then you're holding it all this time and you're down big. Right. But you still believe in it. You know, you, it's your piece of property. It's your, like Jim, it's your house. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, So now you want to sell an option on it. But if it goes up to like you sell your option at like 650, you get your, your, your premium and then it goes up, you lose your option. You lose like $700 a share. How do you um, protect yourself in that situation? So uh, that's an excellent point. And that's, that's what most people think happens in, in, in covered calls, which is what this strategy is. It's a, it's a modified covered call strategy. The difference is a couple of things. Number one, there's a system around this. So we, you, you asked me if we do them weekly. We do them weekly. I do. And that means every week I get to write calls against it. So when it went from 1200 to 1150, I wrote another call at 1150. So I might have gotten $30 for that week. And then it went to 1100 and I might have not gotten another $30. Probably didn't get, grab the whole amount. There were some days where it went down a lot bigger, by the way. But the idea is that I have a systematic approach 
that even as the stock goes up or stock goes down, we have different rules and the rules are put in place to get our minds quiet. Because you and I both know that emotions are the enemy of the trader, right? When emotions go up, intelligence goes down. And so we try to get rid of those emotions because, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't make a lot of good decisions when I'm emotional. I like to be a little more calm. And so you're absolutely right. We lost money in basically the second quarter of the year when Tesla had a big decline, right? We certainly did. We just didn't lose as much as we would have if we were a buy and hold investor. And then last month where we had the rebound in the market, we made most or all of it back, probably most of it. I'll just, I'll say that. And so, but meantime, throughout that whole period of time, we were collecting the income. It's like, you know, if you had bought, if you had bought a house in 2007 and you decided not to move for 10 years and all you did was, you know, somebody was going to pay you income on that house because you rented it out. If you didn't sell, you just kept bringing in the premium. And so you got that rent for the next 10 years and then your house ended up coming back in value. Kind of the same situation, but you do have to have a stock that's what well, we call it solid and exciting. So Tesla is a solid company. We believe we don't think they're going anywhere. And you and I both can agree that they're pretty exciting. We got a guy, you know, who's one tweet away from making this thing go up 200 bucks. So, um, but we have four cornerstones in our program. We have to have the right stock. It has to be in the right market because that's a big component of what we do. It's got to be at the right spot on the chart. There's a highest probability, there's a high probability spot on the chart where you can make the most money and you have the highest probability of it succeeding. And then what we, we do, it's called squeezing the juice. We collect the rent. So through that four cornerstone process, it's not perfect, KC, it's not perfect. And we have periods of time where you lose money. But if you systematically follow the approach and the rules, when the market's green, we, we're, you know, we're a little bit more exposed. And when the market's red, we're a little bit more protected. It starts to turn into a really great system where we show people how to make 2 to 4% a month. Yeah, and I, I think that's really important that uh, you stay consistent because what tends to happen to a lot of people is that they get discouraged. You know, the first quarter was tough. Um, yes. They get discouraged and then they're like, oh, this is it. I'm done. Um, <laughs> and then when the big bounce happens, uh, they they don't they don't recover. And actually, that is what happened to me is I didn't quit. But what happened was I was buying or I was selling for my premium. And then a, there was a big spike and I lost the shares at yep. a pretty big loss. And I was like, oh, man. And then after that, I was done. I was like, I'm done with covered calls. Yeah, you like, got I did it for like six months. And I had a nice revenue stream going, but then when I lost the, my, I lost my base shares and I didn't really want to lose them because I knew they were going to come back up. So I was pretty discouraged after that. And I haven't actually done it since. We very rarely get taken out of our position because we're always rolling. That's part of our strategy. You don't have to roll. You can, you can let it expire on Friday afternoon. We normally roll on Friday afternoon and go into the next week or two weeks out and uh, we don't get taken out of our calls. Now, it does happen on cheaper stocks. So I don't know if that's what you had. But generally, if you have one of those more solid stocks that uh, they don't they don't necessarily get called away because people, the, the, a lot of the reasons that people are trading the options is because they are cheaper and they don't want to have to own the stock itself. They can use the option as a proxy for owning it. So rarely on an Apple, a Tesla, a, an Amazon, do people get taken out. It does happen, but it's pretty rare. So the secret is to roll um, to roll. And so I should have talked to you before I tried that. Cause I did not roll. <laughs> I, yep. I could have rolled now that I, now I'm looking back. Yeah. That would have helped me. 
I just didn't know how to do that. So yeah, I'm well, going to get back into it. I'm going to get back into it. Yeah. Well, I can help you a little bit. Give me a buzz. But um, the, um, the secret actually is not caring about what the stock does as much as you care about collecting the time premium. Right. So the time premium is always X today and it's always zero on Friday at 359.59. So that's always working in your favor because you're a seller. So when you sell time premium, you always collect, we call it the juice. You always collect the juice. Even if it's an in the money call, you always get the juice. And it's really hard to wrap your, you know, most people, maybe not you, but it's really hard to wrap your brain around it that you're always getting the juice. And that's really what we're after. You know, we squeeze that juice. So in the fund that you manage, is this your primary strategy or do you do um, other types of trading within the fund as well? Yeah. Uh, so we have three funds. One of them, which is closed, is a trend anticipation fund. We buy stocks that are breaking out and about 40 percent of uh, or about 60 percent of stocks when they break out. We try to ride that trend. Um but but uh, but they've I've kind of gravitated a lot of things into the cash flow machine philosophy, which is collecting that regular income, especially in a market that's I think in, we're in a two year bear market right now. Not that I know anything. All I do is just try to play the market as they give it to me. But uh, you know, it sure, certainly feels bearish. It certainly feels like we don't have a lot of growth. Which certainly feels like we're in a recession, depending on your definition of recession. Uh, all those things feel like it. But you know what? I play, I have an indicator, a market timing indicator that tells me if the market's red, green, or yellow. And I play according to those rules. So yes, that's the second, that's the second fund. And the third, third fund has nothing to do with any of that. It's basically a cryptocurrency fund. Okay. So we'll switch gears here. I really enjoyed uh, this conversation about, you know, cash flow. I think it's critical. So it, is. it was a good review. I really appreciate that. But I want to switch gears now because you said the buzzword crypto. I'm, I like crypto a lot. So um, what do you think? Uh, what is crypto going to do and how is it going to massively change our lives? Hello, this is Casey. And I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book, that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Well, I, I believe it's I believe it's the future. It's um it's a it's a monetary technology. It's not necessarily an investment. It's not necessarily a, a commodity. It's not necessarily a currency. It's all of these things. I look at it as a technology, and it just so happens to be a new technology for money. Just like when you know, twenty five years ago, we didn't have the internet. We weren't buying things on Amazon. 
that was a new technology when it came about. And everybody's like, what's that? We're not going to buy our groceries online. Well, you know, things have changed. Now we buy almost everything online or certainly a lot. And it's a new paradigm. So when, when people talk to me, they have this feeling that it's either going to work or it isn't. And I look at it as a little bit more of a spectrum. So I believe firmly that it's going to work. I believe in five to 10 years. I, I always tell all my friends, please, 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 because I care about you, buy one Bitcoin, just one, right? And right now they're, you know, fairly- They buy it down at 17,000. Yeah. <laughs> just buy one, because I yeah. think five to 10 years, you're talking about a million dollars, whatever that's worth at that time. But I, I believe it's long-term- kind of a hedge, just like gold. I think it's a better form of gold. I think it's an easier form of, of transacting a store of value. The, the jury's still out on whether it's going to replace anything as a, as a currency itself. There is the lightning network, which lies on top of it, which is a very fast, can handle millions of transactions a second, but it needs to be accepted. And so, you know, I could go on for two or three hours on Bitcoin, but I'm just trying, <laughs> to, keep, trying to keep it simple here. The bottom line is, I think it sits in line with all of the other assets. I don't think you need to sell your gold to buy Bitcoin. It's probably good to have some of each. I don't think you need to sell all your stocks to go all in on Bitcoin. I think it's good to have stocks, especially if you have you know, cash flow. Cash flow, yeah. Or real estate, same thing. But don't have a, a vacant lot. Have a cash flowing piece of real estate if you can. So I think the asset allocation is important. I just happened to add a new category in called technology assets. This one's happened to be a monetary technology. And so I think Bitcoin... Uh, will be around. It's the uh, it's the only one that's truly decentralized. It doesn't have a CEO or a Fed guy or a group of people pulling the strings on it. It's been established for over 13 years now. It's never been hacked. Only the exchanges have been hacked. Only the right. other systems have been hacked around it. But if you if you got your own keys to your Bitcoin, you got your Bitcoin off the exchanges. You know you're 99.999959 safe. And so. You know, to me, it's it, it sits alongside a lot of the other technologies. And the last thing, I'll, the last point I'll make is, you know, people are like, Mark, do you think it's going to replace the dollar? Well, I think we got a lot of problems with any fiat currency. We're ruining and debasing our currency. That's just the nature of fiat, which means right. decree. And so, if you're going to ruin your currency, you know that it's going to depreciate, right? That's why we have inflation. It's almost directly one. It's guaranteed. Month. It's guaranteed, guaranteed to happen. You, you yeah. know, you're losing money, right? I mean, I was, we were talking before the show that I had $30,000 when I was 19. Yes. That would be like 60,000 in today's money. Exactly. That wasn't right. that long ago. <laughs> and you could just go back to 1950 and see what things cost in 1950. And, yeah. compare it now. and it's the dollar. So I don't think the dollar is going anywhere. And here's why I think the dollar is, and, and any real currency, the euro, the wand, uh, you know, the, what do the, you, uh, any, any currency, uh, there's lots of them. And a lot of them are going away. The dollar seems to be the strongest one of the fiats right now because the dollar has been the reserve currency of the world. And I don't think the dollar is going away. However, I believe that Bitcoin comes along and takes the place as a store of value because the dollar, you know, when you run a credit card transaction, you can use cash. The infrastructure has already been built. There's no reason to replace all of that. I'm not talking about replacing it. I'm saying put your money into something that's going to hold some value and it's going to fluctuate for a while. And then when you need it, you can trade, trade it into dollars. You can trade it into euros. You can trade it into the fiat currency. But certainly don't want to store your money in a fiat currency because right now we know inflation is not going to be going away anytime soon.
Absolutely. You we got to put your money in real estate, in stocks, in crypto, something, but not in fiat. Not in That's fiat. That's a big no-no. <laughs> and, and there are lots of other really cool projects. There's over 19,000, 20,000 coins out there, cryptocurrencies, blockchain technologies. And blockchain is a cool technology. The problem is there's no other one that I know of, maybe you know of one, that's truly decentralized. It doesn't have a person. In fact, the, the person that created Bitcoin, this, this uh, infamous Satoshi Nakamoto, doesn't even exist or didn't exist or doesn't exist now or is dead or is a group of people that used a fake name and is nowhere to be found. And that's a good thing because now we don't have anybody that can go, you know what? I have an extra million. Let me turn it into two million. Uh, you know, the cool thing about it is, yeah. I mean, I, I think Bitcoin is really the only coin or crypto that I've seen. There's some of them that have some cool utilities. Like yeah. we could get into a lot of conversation about that, like DeFi, where you earn interest. And I'm doing some of that. But the cool thing I really like about Bitcoin is that you have to mine it to create it. That's it. And everybody, it's fair game. You know, some of these new cryptos, are, they, you know, they're like a security, right? They're like a, you open a new IPO. Okay, I just created a new coin and I own everything, yep. right? And I just made myself an instant billionaire because I own all the coins. Yep. Uh, but Bitcoin's not like that. Bitcoin, you, it's fair game. Everyone has to mine it. It's like heading into the hills with your shovel. <laughs> if yep. you want to go get the gold, you got to go get the gold. <laughs> and it's unchangeable. You cannot change the algorithm, right? There's, there's a halving, H-A-L-V-I-N-G, halving every, every four years that says that there's going to be half as many Bitcoin mined in the, you know, per block as there are, you know, in this four years. So four years from now, there's fewer and fewer mined and, and 19 million of them have been mined and there will only be 21 million of them created, the last one to be created in the year 2140. So most of the Bitcoin has been mined. So now as countries start to adopt, and I went to El Salvador after they adopted because I wanted nice. to be able, yeah, I did. And it was so cool, Casey, these people on the beach, you know, running, you know, selling lemonade on their on their stands. You could buy Bitcoin using your phone. You just take your phone, you put it up to their phone and boom, for 20 cents, you end up buying some lemonade or three dollars. You buy a beer and dinner. And these third world people have got a better handle on Bitcoin than we do. And we're first world with all this technology all around. Well, us. I don't know if they have a better handle or they're just very afraid. So why is the Fed so scared of Bitcoin? What, why are they? It's like their knees are shaking and they were running for the hills. They hate it. Well, I'm not, I don't know if they hate it. Maybe they hate it. I think, um, I think, I think regulation is an important thing. Uh, it's a double-edged sword in here, but uh, Gary Gensler, who was uh, who used to be an instructor at MIT, had a cryptocurrency class, and if you listen to him, he's very well versed on it. I think that's the only one that's going to be truly accepted as a um, as a as a non um, security, and so because it 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 doesn't it it doesn't pass the Howey test, so it's really more of a piece of property. But if you look at something like a Ripple or an Ethereum. These are all like you said, like they were all they all came out in initial coin offerings, right? And they're going to be deemed securities and they're going to be highly regulated. I think crypto in the Bitcoin form is going to be under the, you know, as a commodity under the CFTC. And they're still trying to figure out, but I don't know if they're afraid of it. I think if you want to stuff that I could put a hat on, that is, I think that you're moving toward a CBDC, uh, you know, a, a central based depository 
cryptocurrency based. Okay. Uh, that's what I think the, the, the CBDC is going to happen. And they're going to try to get Bitcoin accepted so they can roll out a CBDC. All the CBDC is going to be electronic form of money, which is what we have today. But I think they're screwing up the money so bad. They're going to, they're going to try to come in like the, the white knights and say, okay, we've, we've solved the problem. We have this new CBDC currency that you can switch over and I think that's going to give them a license to debase the currency even further in a faster and more controlling way. But that's a whole different. <laughs> yeah, I, the, I love talking finance. I don't <laughs> love talking politics. Yep. That's very political. And it's, yep. it's crazy because it just doesn't make sense. But it's po political stuff doesn't make sense. <laughs> no, it, nothing's making sense these days. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that makes sense to me is supply and demand. And so, you know, that's that governs my opinion in the market. It govern my, governs my opinion in Bitcoin. Yeah. So you can get into whatever theories you want. But if you really go back to the roots, it's all about supply and demand. And there's only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be made. So yeah. that's that's a pretty finite supply. I mean, honestly, when I when I say that they're afraid of it, it's the regulation thing. And it's a control thing, too, because here's why I love Bitcoin. There's just a lot of reasons why. Yeah. Right. So I can if if I can. There's a, a couple of reasons. One is it's a key, right? And so I can, if I memorize the key, I can then take a billion dollars across the border and they're like, do you have $10,000? And they're not going to search me. They're not going to arrest me. They're not going to throw me in jail for having my own money. That's right. You know, like, I mean, if, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos now, guys are driving down the road, they got cash and they, you know, they throw them in jail. Uh, it's just crazy. It's control, right? Yes. So that's one of the reasons I like Bitcoin is freedom, right? Freedom, depending on who you ask, is a good thing. And th the other thing is you can do person-to-person -person transactions without yeah. having to get the approval, right? So yeah. if I want to send you money, Mark, hey, uh, I want to send you some money. I don't have to get permission. I don't have to do anything. I can just send you a direct person-to-person -person transaction, and it works pretty flawlessly. And you can do it on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday night when the banks are closed. And you could do it to a totally different country without paying a fee. And this solves a lot of problems for people around the world. 70% of the population in the world is unbanked and they don't have access to a bank like you and I can go around the corner and five, see five banks, you know, can't swing a dead cat in this country without hitting a bank. And, you know, some of these people, let's say Nigeria and Mozambique or in, in, in South America, they don't have access to banks within a couple of hours. And this is a way that with a phone, they can have their own bank on their phone. So you're That's phenomenal. Right. You know, I just was reading right before this interview. It was something that popped up on my Twitter. I got to get better at not getting distracted on <laughs> social media. You know, uh, I need help there. But in this case, it actually worked. For the one time, this actually worked out in my favor. Yeah. Uh, I was reading that the population is going to be hitting 8 billion estimated in November of this year. And the wow. article was talking about that 70% of that population is going to be in third world countries. It's going to be in India. It's going to be Nigeria. Africa is supposed to be a huge part of this massive population growth because in developed countries, our birth rates are declining and we're not seeing that growth. And so the future for these other countries that are, like you said, they're unbanked, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a technology, a monetary technology that's going to help them. The infrastructure is really easy to implement. You don't have to build a bank with a vault on the corner. You just have to put an app on your phone, which is free. 
you know, when I went to, um, to El Salvador, there were 10 different apps that I could use the moon wallet or the strike wallet, or, you know, any of these different apps, they're all free. The technology is reliable and, um, it's really easy to implement. So if you start thinking about the future, how the future is growing in these third world countries, they don't need to have a place where they can put a safety deposit box with the key. They just need a place that they can move their money back and forth between people. Yeah. Yeah. Really neat. Yeah. Cool stuff. Well, um, so Mark, you have a podcast I as do. well as your website. Tell me a little bit about the show and uh, what you do on there and, you know, for people that are interested in checking it out. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, I, I love podcasting. We we're talking a little bit before we got started. I get to meet people like you and, and um, you know, it's called the wealth architect podcast because I believe everybody should be an architect of their own wealth. Right. We, I was, I have a saying, never give up your power in your health, your wealth, or your time. And most people do, they give up their power in those three critical areas of life. And so I talk about the different strategies that we can use. I talk a little bit about the stock market, a lot about the market. I throw a little politics in there. Um, but I also talk real estate. Uh, I, we, I had a lady on last week. She was really interesting. She specifically deals with women who are widows. And, and you know, that's a really important part of, of life is if all of a sudden you get stranded and you're in charge of the money, are you qualified to do it? And she helps people do it. Uh, so I get to meet really cool people like that. And if people can just take away a couple of interesting ideas, if I can motivate somebody to do one thing for their finances and not give up their power and their wealth, it's all worth it to me. It's called the Wealth Architect Podcast. So thanks for letting me uh, mention that. I'd love to love to have some new new f- people on there. Well, yeah. Uh, if you're listening, we'll put that link in the description. Uh, you guys can sign up for that on your favorite podcasting app, which I was telling Mark, I'm adding it to my podcasting app, and I'm going to start listening Woo-hoo! on the way to work. Because <laughs> that's uh, when I listen to my. I hope it's as good as yours, Casey. Well, I'll, I don't know yet. It's probably better. You let me know. I'm going to, I listen to it on my way to work. I got a 30 minute drive, so it's perfect. It's okay. Perfect for getting a podcast episode in. Yeah. Most of them are under 30. I just had, I had one that went an hour a couple of weeks ago. It was really good, but it was an hour. Yeah. So, it, I think for me, I try to keep them right at 30 minutes, but it depends on if I lose track of time or not. Sure. Which, happens. <laughs> I don't have an official timer because I just kind of let the conversation flow. Yeah. Well, uh, one other thing is um, for people that are interested in learning about your cash flow system, uh, you have something set up to help new people with that. Uh, do you have a resource or anything that you can offer for people that are listening? Yeah, I'll set up a, a, a site uh, specifically for listeners of this podcast. So you'll get your own uh, you'll get your own customized link and it's go.destinycreation.com. And then let's just do forward slash how to trade it. One word, how to trade it. So it's go.destinycreation.com forward slash how to trade it. I'll have a free ebook on there called regular paychecks, how to take regular paychecks out of the stock market and, you know, make, make that safe, reliable income. We talk about using our system. So yeah, thanks for letting me mention that. It's great. Well, Thank you for sharing your secrets today. And uh, let's hit those singles. Let's collect regular paychecks. Yeah. Let's take control of our wealth. Don't let uh, anyone else have control of that. And uh, I, that link, for everyone that's listening, that link is going to be in the description along with Mark's podcast. 
Uh, I highly recommend that you go check it out. Get started. You don't have to have a ton of money to start. You just get started. That's the thing is you just get started. You start small. You're consistent. And uh, you collect that money. So uh, Mark's got a great resource to help you do that. So, Mark, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Casey. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh, We'll see everyone on the next episode of the How to Trade It podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.